Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, turn with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And when you get there... Hallelujah. I want you to hold your finger there, and I want you to turn over to 2 Timothy. We're going to have a mini-sermon before we get to the main part. How about that? 2 Timothy, chapter 3, and verse 16. It says, all scripture, didn't say some, didn't say most, didn't say a few, It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Can you say profitable? The reason you're here is because the word is profitable. It goes on and it says for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, I've written down some things here. The Message Bible says this. It says, every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. Isn't that good? It's a, it's a little toe-stepping in parts of it, now, isn't it? But uh, the Philippians, or the Phillips Bible, says, for teaching faith and correcting error, for resetting the direction of man's life. 20th century says, for teaching, for refuting error, for giving guidance. Listen, we all need correction. Every last one of us. Now, if you say, well, you know, I don't know anything I need a correction for, you are living dangerously. Because we all need correction every single day. You know, it's kind of like driving a car. Now, if you get in your car and you get out on the highway and and you hold the steering wheel. let Let me put something here in this little spot. And you hold that steering wheel. You get out on 441 and you hold that steering wheel exactly like this. And you don't move it at all. What's going to happen? You're going to eventually find yourself off the road. You know, every driver has found out that even going down a straight road, there's little times, little tiny corrections have to be made. And so we have to live life understanding that there, every single day, there are little corrections that the Word wants to make in us. Sometimes, you know, it's a big correction, And sometimes it's just a very minor little thing, but it keeps us where we need to be going, the direction he's got us headed in. Those things have to happen. Now, if you're going to be so stubborn as to get out on that road and hold that steering wheel just right there, you are going to impact your life and maybe somebody else's. Same thing is true with the word. If you get behind the wheel spiritually and refuse to to recognize and heed the correction that God brings into our lives through the word, you will impact not only your life negatively, but somebody else's as well. That's not where we want to be. 
Um, go with me. You're right there, real close. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. It says, he's talking to Timothy as a minister of the gospel. But um, this, this applies. And it says, he's telling Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Uh, the amplified verse, uh, version of this first part says, whether the, where it says preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, it says whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable. You know, sometimes the weather is just not great, and sometimes it's wonderful. You know, sometimes our opportunities are wonderful, and sometimes they're not, but they're opportunities that we have to take. We've got to preach the word. And, you know, for ministers, you know, it's not always just the ooey-gooey, I love you, oh, aren't you wonderful, God loves us so much, you know, we're so blessed. Sometimes there needs to something more come out. And it's not always received favorably. It can be, it should be, but it's not always. But you, we, have to, we have to see this, that the word is there, the word preached, like it should be, can rebuke, reprove, and exhort. I think the Rotherham's translation says convince, rebuke, encourage. Another version says make protests, say sharp words, give comfort. And, it's, and it goes on, it says exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. The New English Bible says with all patience that the work of teaching requires. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a time when, uh, as ministers, you, know, you just have to learn patience. They're, they're going to get it. They're going to get it. They're going to get it. Just be patient. Let's go over it again. Let's go over it again. Let's go over it again. But you know what? What's interesting to me is that people can sit in any given service, and you can have one message preached, and four different people will get four different things out of it. You, 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 as you take a poll, an exit poll, let's call it, they come out the door, what stood out to you? You'll have four different answers. And that's the way it should be because I believe that when anybody gets in the pulpit, God tailor makes services for individual people's needs and for where they are. He speaks to your heart with certain aspects of it. You know, sometimes I just need to be encouraged by the word that came forth. Sometimes I need to be corrected by the word that comes forth. Sometimes I need to to have somebody refute something that I thought. That's what comes forth. And sometimes I just need a good rebuke. Listen, I've said over here many times with my toes stinging and my flesh crawling because I know, I know that hits me right where it hurts. But see, God doesn't intend to hurt you. He intends to help you. It is an aid and an assist to you, however it comes to you. And really, so many times I can tell you that the way it comes to you, the way you receive it, has so much to do with with where you are at a given time and in any given situation. You know, uh, if pastor's teaching about tithing, let's just take that because that's a subject that some people love and some people don't. Amen. Tithing is valid. Tithing is scriptural. Tithing is necessary. You know, it is God. That 10% is God's. It is not yours. That's why in Malachi it says, you've robbed me. That 10% belongs to God. 
Now, see, somebody can sit in the service and they can say, amen. Because they agree with that already. Because they're already practicing it. Somebody else could sit there and go, they're just after money. They're just after my money. No, it's, number one, it's not your money to start with. It is in your power to decide what to do with it, but it's not yours. And then somebody can walk out offended. I wish he would stop talking about this. It all depends on the mindset you come into it with as to how you're going to receive it. And see, God wants to correct your mindset if it needs to be corrected. Sometimes it's just a little minor correction, and sometimes it is a major turn in the road. And, but but all, it all boils down to this. He wants it to be a help to you. He wants you to take it, whatever it is that's, that's being ministered, he wants you to take it and apply it to you the way it should be applied, the, 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 the exact way you need it to bring you in line with what the word really says. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, because this is just what it said in the Message Bible. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. Wouldn't it be horrible for him to put us out there and expect us to do something when he knows that that there's something that's going to keep us from doing what he's asked us to do well? You know, there's a lot of times we can do certain things that he's asked us to do but not to the degree that he wants it done, not to the measure that he knows we're capable of until we let the word shape us up. Shape us up. You know, I've, I've, in growing up, you know, in the kind of churches we grew up in, um, people were always talking about, in fact, as I remember, you know, I've heard people pray this, God break them. You just bring them, bring them low. Father God, do whatever you have to do to get their attention. That is not a scriptural prayer. God's not looking to break anybody. God's not looking to bring anybody low. He is wanting to set you up for success, not bring you down to the element of, fa- of failure that some people seem to think that has to be done before God can get your attention. Listen, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. I grew up in a hellfire and brimstone environment. All it did was scare me for three days. And that's about as long as my resolve lasted was three days. Do you remember back, was it 1986 when some, this, some crazy man had predicted that Jesus was coming back on September the something or other? And there were Bible studies all over the country. People were like, we've got to get ready. We've got to get ready. We've got to get ready. He's coming in September. He's coming in September. Well, it got a lot of people scared. Oh, I got, I got to be ready. I got to, people who weren't living for God suddenly went, oh, maybe he's coming back. Oh, they've got a date. Oh, I've got to get myself together. You know... September, the whatever it was, came and went, and they went back to their lives. You know, it, to me, at least for me, when I found out how good God was, it's when I decided to stick with him. See, God knows that. You know, there are things he needs us to deal with. He, there's things he, he will use the word to deal with us in. But we know it's his goodness that leads us to a place of repentance. What is repentance? It's not turning from sin as much as, it, as it's just a turning of my ways, of my lifestyle, of my thinking. To repent means to change. 
to go the opposite direction. The direction I'm headed is not the direction I need to be going. He wants me to change that. And it's his goodness because he shows himself good. He shows himself kind. He shows himself merciful that we can get under, get ourselves in a place where we're ready to accept the change he wants to make in us, the correction that he wants to do, even the reproof and the rebuke that he wants, he wants to say, he wants to speak into our lives because those are necessary things sometimes. And so, you know, as ministers, you know, you can be found over in, in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, where it talks about, about ministers, is, and it, ta- it says that, well, in fact, let's, you're close by. Let's just take a look at it real quick. I said this was a sermon within a sermon. This is not my main topic tonight. Uh, it says, ob- uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. it says, Obey them that have the rule over you. That doesn't, that's not a hard thing, really. It just means those who lead you in spiritual things. Again, spiritual things. Obey them that lead you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Their intent is good. They're trying to look out for you. Listen, when I tell my kids, stop doing that on the side of the road because they're about to step up in traffic, it's because I don't want them hurt. See, God doesn't want you hurt. He wants you blessed. You know, and as ministers, we watch out for you. That's our goal is to make sure that you are doing the best possible that you know the best word, that you, you're, you're equipped and ready and able to have the kind of life God wants you to have, to follow the plan and the purpose for your life. And it goes on, it says, as they, who? Those that had the lead over you, as they must give an account. You know, I have, over the years, have said to, to pastors so many times, you, know, you, you hurt for people when you put the word out there, and they will not do the word. You hurt for me. Sometimes I just get I'm so frustrated about it. And he said, it's not my responsibility what they do with it. It's my responsibility to put it out there, to give them the word, and it's their responsibility to do something with it. He said, we cannot take the care of that over on ourselves. You know, and sometimes it's hard, it's hard not to do that. But here it says, those who lead you must give an account. See, we have to give an account. Have to give an account. I know there are times when people come into a service and they think they're only saying that because they know this, this, and this. They're they're saying that because 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 they're just pointing directly at me. Listen, I've had things pointed directly at me before, and it will happen again. And I know that somebody's not saying that because they're just trying to get me from the pulpit. The Holy Ghost is trying to get me from the pulpit. But the person who's speaking it has to be speaking by under, under the inspiration of God or it doesn't work. And when the inspiration is there up by the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is having that said, you, you, can't hold, you, can, you cannot as a minister hold back something because somebody might think that you might have the wrong motive in saying that. You can't. You have to do with it and let, it, let the chips fall where they may. You know, that's all you can do. But it's our responsibility to put it out there. And it's your responsibility then to do something with it. It goes on and it says that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. The biggest joy of our hearts is for us to see the word make a change in your life. And I can see that in so many I mean, I see where you've come from, and, I, and I've seen the things that you've endured, and, and I see how you've overcome with the word. That's what brings joy to a pastor's heart. 
It says it's profitable, unprofitable for you if, if you if you give them grief over it. So remember that. Don't give me any grief. I have a, written here in the margin of my Bible for that word grief. It said groaning as in a task that is unthankful or unappreciated. Hmm. Don't let your don't let your pastors get to a place where we do it and have grief. And that and that it, it seems as a task that's not appreciated. The only thing you have to do, you don't have to come up and say, Oh, thank you, that was wonderful. That's nice. You know, and my response to that is I trust it was a blessing. Now, if it was a blessing, go out and do the word. Don't be a hearer only. But see, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be put in a place where there, it's grief. But, you know, so anyway, that being said, that's my mini sermon. Go back over to Ephesians where you've been holding your finger. Ephesians 4, verse 27. I told Kendra a week ago I was going to minister on this tonight. So this is what we're going to do. Real easy. Neither give place to the devil. So I'm going to tell you right up front that if I happen to say something that gets a burr under your saddle, then you reach under there and pull that thing out. Okay? Well, somebody said, if that rubs the fur the wrong way, then turn the kitty around. Neither give place to the devil. The 20th century says, give no opportunity to the devil. Philip's translation says, don't give the devil that sort of foothold. And the New English Bible says, leave no loophole for the devil. You know, we have to be to to a place right now where we have to be very, very aware of of what entrance he has into our lives. In 1 Peter, it says, be sober, be vigilant. That means be on the alert. Mark 13, 33 said, take heed. Watch and pray. Mark 14, 38 says, Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, But let us watch and be sober. Listen, we're not going to give the enemy a place or a chance, an opportunity, a foothold. None of that. No loopholes for him. We don't need to put a welcome mat out for him. We need to put a no trespass sign out for him. A no soliciting. Because he, he's here to sell you something. He is always in the market to sell you on something. You know, compromise is giving the enemy a place. And we have opportunities in the society that we're currently living in to compromise in a lot of ways. That's giving place to him. You know, there is a standard that the word says and the word sets for our lives. And we cannot afford to compromise even one word of it. When you do, you have given him place. Some people say, that's awfully hard. Listen, it might be hard on my flesh. It might be hard on my thinking, but it's the word of God. Once you begin to compromise in your life in one little spot, it opens it up to a much bigger issue, a much bigger problem, a much bigger acceptance of things that should not be accepted. Compromises is huge. You know, there is, there's other things, you know, that we, we, ha- we wind up having in our lives that we've given place to traditions, traditions. 
Anybody ever come from a place that just, just traditionally, this is, this is what I thought. I mean, it's kind of like cleanliness is next to godliness. We just accept it as Bible. It's not. It is. It's a good thing, but it's not, but it's not Bible. People have accepted traditional thinking for so long. I mean, how many of us came out of places where it's not always God's will to heal? These are the, some of the big ones I'm talking about. You know, it's not always God's will to heal. Yes, it is. It is never God's will for anybody to be sick. Never. It is not his highest and best for somebody to go to heaven before their time. And when is their time? God didn't set the time. We get to set the time. When you're old and you're satisfied, you can go home. That's, that's the standard he put in the word. I don't know about you, but I may be getting old, but I ain't satisfied. It ain't time to go. It's not time to go until I say it's time to go. And yet, people, the traditional thinking is that to every man's been appointed a time to die. Well, you know, you got it. This is what Pastor's been saying. You got to take the whole word together and not just pick something out, you know, and go by just what that one verse says when it doesn't line up with something else. And that doesn't line up. With the fact that God says that we can live us good to a good old age and go home when we're satisfied that we've done what we needed to do. When we fulfill the plan of God for our lives. See, those traditional thinking is something that we're going to have to recognize as giving him a place. When you go into the word, I mean, we have honestly had people say to us, you know, about about some issues that are clear in the word. Well, the word might say that, but I, I believe Jesus told me something else. Really, seriously, somebody told us that one time. We talked. We were talking about a, a, a situation, and um, and this this man just said, no. I, I know what the word says, but but I believe Jesus told me this. Jesus is not telling anybody anything that does not agree with the word of God. None of that. And so we have to get past tradition. Um, there are things that we've got in our lives. You know, when we come to God, that have just had a foothold in our lives that we knew nothing about that we didn't know aren't supposed to be there. But when the light of the word comes and shines brightly on it, it's time to to do something about it. There are things in our lives that we get so familiar with, so comfortable with, that it's like, well, it's, it's, it's no big deal. Yes, it is. It is a big deal. When it's not lining up with the word and we've given a place to it and we're ready to let it stay, it's got to, it, you, you, in the light of the word comes, you've you got to get it out of there. You've got to get rid of it. You know, some people, the light of the word will come and they go, yeah, but, you know, that, I, I just don't think that's a problem. It's a problem. As soon as you say it's not a problem, it tells me it is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> because some people like that. People who are easily offended like that little, that little stuff that they kind of baby and nurse you know, and feed. Oh, honey, let me give you just a little. You want another slice of pie? Okay, let me get you one. They feed that thing. And they don't really want to get rid of it because they like it. I, I, I'm thinking of a family member. Life is drama. Drama, drama, drama. Drama and crisis. Drama and crisis. Drama and crisis. I just, you know, there are times I just, you know, I... I, I I say, I, I just don't want to hear any more about it. Because that's just, we go from one thing to another. One thing to, 
and, and you, can, you, can, you, can, you can tell them what the Word says all day long, and they're never going to change because that's how they like things. They found their identity and their drama and their crisis. And so, no, they don't want to get rid of that. You know, I want, I want, to, keep, I want to keep this one. You know, it's kind of like when you go through your closet, you know, and you know you can't wear it. You know, you'll never get back into it. But you don't want to let it go. Amen. Ladies, we know what we're talking about here. No, you know, I know I shouldn't. I know I should get rid of it. But no, I just, just in case. I just want to hang on to it. No, there are some things you're just going to have to get rid of. Listen, the whole point is there's, there's a whole lot of answers to prayer and we're looking for miracles this year. We're looking for, for things to, for, I mean, God to show up big time. Listen, he's going to have a hard time fall, finding a place to get in there to do those things and to bring the answers we, that we need and that we would, we would like to have if we're not ready to get rid of some of this nonsense that are in our lives. Amen. Thank you, brother. You know, sometimes we just think, well, I didn't open the door. Yeah, but there's a whole bunch of cracks underneath that door. Whole bunch of cracks. You know, naturally speaking, you got a nice door. It's a great door. There's nothing wrong with my door. But there's a whole big crack underneath it, and that's where roaches and ants and spiders and all kinds of lizards, you know, you know, those those little those little old things, they can slip right under there. Mice. All men should get under that. That's why we have seals on our windows and our doors. And there's a whole bunch of Christians running around that they've left the windows and the doors unsealed and things are just getting in. You know, they don't think it's any big deal. It is a big deal. I don't want to get up in the middle of the night and go step on a roach. Makes for a loud wake-up call for the pastor. But, you know... We, we, need, we need to develop some skills here about keeping him out. I have a gate at my house. And sure as I leave that gate open, somebody comes up there. You know, on a Saturday morning, the JWs want to come up there if that gate's open. So I want to make sure the gate stays closed. It's nice for you to get to a place in your life where you are so determined to keep the devil out and not give him a place that you set a gate up down there. So he can't get near my house. But okay, you don't have a gate. What do you do? Put a peephole in your door. Put a peephole in. Don't open the door till you look through the peephole and see what's there. And if there's something's wrong with what you see, don't open the door. In fact, don't even bother speaking to it. Except say, get off my property. Get off. Go. Now. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Hallelujah. We got to stop making excuses for why things, we haven't gotten rid of certain things, that why we keep giving place to certain things. Well, I have a temper, but you know my family's Irish. No, no. No, no. No, you're, you're giving place to the flesh is what you're doing. That's not according to the word now, is it? Is, it, is a temper something that's... Uh, Godly, something that that uh, promotes the kind of the kind of uh, view people want people to have of what it is to be a Christian. No, then you better get rid of it. Stop making excuses for why something is the way it is in your house 
that should not be there. You know, currently, our house is on the market. And uh, we're, we're selling this house so we can go find a, a place that's got less yard work. And uh, the first time Leslie came over to the house, you know, kind of walk through and kind of give us an idea of what, what we need to do, you know, things that we needed to take care of. She walked in and she went, now, I'm a good housekeeper, okay? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not totally anal about it, but I'm a good housekeeper. And uh, I like things to be in their place. I don't like things out of I put up with some some things, you know, at my desk in my, in my, in my room, you know, I'll, I'll throw things on there and it'll stack up for a while and then I just can't handle it anymore. I got to go take care of it and get it filed and get it taken care of, put it where it belongs, you know. But uh, Leslie came in and she said, honestly, she said, I'm looking around thinking, I could put this house on the market today. And we went, we went oh, no, 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 you can't do that. No, we, there's some things we've got, we've got to do. And it's amazing. We look around. We saw some major things that needed to be done. Because, you know, when you live in a place for as long as we've lived in this one, there are, there's just some things that you, you know, eh, I need to fix that. But, you know, we'll get around to it one day. It's not that big a deal right now. You know, see, there's, there's a whole lot of Christians do that. Oh, well, that's a pretty big thing, but I'll get around to it someday. And uh, so is it, no, 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 can't do that. Got to get all this done. But it's amazing. The more we looked around with an eye to selling it, the more we found that needed to be done. I finally said, you know why no people, people don't sell their houses very often? It's because it's so much stinking work to get it ready to sell. I mean, we spent weeks getting that thing ready to sell. You know, maybe went a little overboard in some areas, but, you know, I didn't think so. I would say, no, 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 I, I, I got to do this. I got to do this. Say, well, nobody will ever see that. Well, I see it. It doesn't matter what other people see. If the word comes into my life and shines a light on it, I need to deal with it and do something about it. Not to say, well, nobody's going to notice. Well, maybe they won't, but God notices. If, if the word shines a light on it, God has noticed. God has noticed. So right now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly satisfied. There's, you know, there's a little touch-up paint here and there we need to do. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to bang the walls up getting some of this furniture out. Let's wait till I get it out. Then I'll, then I'll do that touch-up paint. But every morning when I leave, we leave the house, we do so much more now than what we would normally do because you don't ever know when somebody's going to come in. You don't know when you'll get the phone call. Oh, I've got somebody who wants to come look at your house today. Listen, you don't ever know when somebody wants to come look in your life. You don't know. When the light of the word has shown up and you see it, you fix it. So that no matter who comes in to look, they see a picture of Christ in your life. Hallelujah. We have a choice. All of us have a choice. When we're confronted with things that need to change, we're faced with a choice then. Your response to that will either open the door or keep the door closed. Your response is kind of like the handle on the door. If your wrong response is wrong, that handle turns and allows that thing to get in. That's the way you have to look at it. You know, we have to understand who we are in Christ. You can go through so many things. You know, just you can start thinking of all these kind of things that we, we don't need to give place to, like lack, poverty, sickness, 
traditions, strife, bitterness, envy, hurt, anger, fear, depression, your past, defeat, failure. I mean, you can go, you can think of all kinds of things. Let me ask you, what, what do those things have to do with what the Word says about you? If the Word doesn't say those things about you, then they have no place in you. None. You are not defeated and you are not a failure until you accept that. Until you let defeat and failure inside you. Until you say, I'll never do this. I can never be that. I'll, I'll always have to struggle with this. I'll always do this. When you take on that kind of, of persona with it, you have just become that. You are not defeat. You are victory. You're not failure. You're triumph. You know, Thomas Edison, it was about, I don't know exact, the exact number, but he did not have a successful experiment to create the light bulb until after he had tried about a thousand times. Now, most people would have given up and said, I, 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 this, is, this whole thing's a failure at about 100. So I commend him for keeping on going. But, at, but when he finally successfully put a light bulb together and it worked, his whole opinion was, I have not defeated, I'm not a failure. I found a thousand ways that it won't work. You have to look at life that way. If you fail, if you fail at something, I found something that doesn't work, now let's move on to the next one. Let's move on. Let's move on. Even Colonel says, sometimes we think, well, you know, I'm too old to start over now. You're never too old to start over. God gives us a fresh start every single day. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning. We can start over. I don't care how old you are. Colonel Sanders was in his 60s when he went around trying to get somebody to loan him money to start Kentucky Fried Chicken. And it took him several hundred banks and lenders before he finally found somebody who would invest a dime in him. And now it's a franchise that's worldwide. So he was in his 60s. Never let the enemy tell you you're too old. Don't give any place to that concept that you're too old, you're too young, you're too this, you're too that. I can't. Didn't we say that last week? I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His strength enables us to do all those things. Hallelujah. You've got to have some fight in you. The reason some people never make any progress in the things of God is because they've got no fight in them. Listen, you come up against something, you better have some fight in you for the little things, for the things that you shouldn't be given place to, so when the big things show up, you know how to fight. That's what they do in boxing, you know, that you train. You know, and you, you start out on just this, you know, this, what do they call those things? The, the bag? You know, you start out punching that punching bag. You start out with that, and then you move on to a sparring partner. Listen, you need to start fighting those things that should not be there when they're small. So you're ready for the large things that come your way. Because every one of us is going to have something large show up at one time. Every one of us is going to have to do something. But if you don't have a fight in you, the Bible says fight the good fight of faith. It didn't say ask it to leave politely. Recommend that they should leave. Ask them nice. No, no. It says fight the good fight of faith. Listen, 
in my corner, I don't think there's any room for anybody but me and the Holy Ghost and the Father and the Son. We've got a great corner going here. And I'm not, not going to let anybody come in and tell me otherwise. And you have to get to the place where you've got enough fight in you that you won't quit until whatever is there that shouldn't be is gone. Kick it to the curb. Open you, you, The same door that let it in is the same door you can open to kick it out with no uncertain terms. You know, do you have, do you have cats? I don't have cats, but my neighbor has a cat. And I don't like cats outside because they crawl over my car. And I come see these little footprints all down my windshield and on the top of my car and on my hood. You know, and, they just, and sometimes he slides down the windshield and just smears it right on down. If I see that cat, it's not, would you please go home? It's like, scat! You're going to have to do that with some of this stuff. Scat! And I know in certain terms... And you take whatever it takes to get rid of it. Sometimes it takes more than just scat. Sometimes it takes a water hose. Some people have been known to take a BB gun, you know, and, and uh, encourage them to leave. Whatever measure you have to take with the devil and what he's brought into your life, you take it. But you don't put up with it. God wants to clean house. He wants your house to be spotless and ready for inspection. And the only way that's going to happen is if we don't give the devil any place in our lives. Sometimes, you know, he will try things. Just because he tries doesn't mean he's, he's successful. I remember one time um, I was on Facebook for something, and this, and, and this picture popped up from somewhere. I, I, I was just like, I was, I was appalled at what it was. You know, and, and it was like something somebody I knew had liked, and, and so it popped on my page. And it's something that should not have been, should not have been on Facebook at all. And, and obviously, it got taken down really quick. But it was it was in the in the in the vein of some of stuff that shouldn't should never be watched by by a believer. But you know what? I mean, I mean I, I'm all, you know get rid of that nonsense. Do you know what the enemy did? One more Sunday morning, standing right here in church on this front row, he brought the picture of that back to me. And I had to stand right there and say, oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. See, the problem with some things, some things we see we have no business seeing, but the enemy will bring that image back to you later. And if you don't take those images and those things, those thoughts, images, actions, whatever they are, and you don't deal with them right then, you will give place to them. Right then. Right then. It has to be a split-second decision. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, one of the ways we get rid of these things is just with the Word. You know, this is what the Word says about me. This is what the Word says I can have. This is what the Word says I can do. Then there are times where we just have to just begin to praise God. Just praise God. You know, praise will drive out despair. Praise will bring your joy back in the house. You got to do what you've got to do. There's a way. 
You need to have a party going on in your house that's so full of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, the Word, praise, rejoicing, all that, that there's no room for anything else. Not, not, not room to put one more. It is, it is standing room only in here, people. And it's all by the Word. It's all the things of the Spirit. And, and you, you have no place. There is no place for you here. And that's what we have to, we have to do. So I'm just telling you tonight that it's time for us to decide that we will be on guard. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep, which is guard, your heart with all diligence. All diligence. You can't get sloppy about this. With all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Guard your heart. With all diligence, you can't let your guard down for one minute. The more you do it, the more you look and let the, and let the word shine on the inside of us and make that decision to deal with it. The more we do that, the more quickly we're able to deal with things that the enemy presents to us. And so that's where we need to get to a place where we're not giving him place we, just, we determine ahead of time he's not going to get a place in me. I'll have none of it. It's not mine. Defeat, failure, anything he says about me that's contrary to the word of God, I will not entertain it. I will not let it spend more than a fraction of a second in my thinking. We go back to Psalm nineteen fourteen. Let the words of my heart, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So I'm telling you tonight, don't give him any place. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.